Oh, come on, I'm not feeling you. Are you ready for the word? So, this morning I'm teaching on a topic you might not be expecting. <laughs> it's called the power of the Holy Communion. You don't like it. You don't like it. I'm suspecting you. You don't like it. You don't like it. I'm suspecting you. I said, I'm teaching on the power of the Holy Communion. You see, the Bible is a Christocentric book with a Christocentric message. Hallelujah. Christ is the foundation, the ordination, and the consummation of the totality of God's purpose. And the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is also the gospel of grace, is the theme and the heart of Jesus Christ for every man. And I love how Paul puts it in Galatians chapter 1, the verse 6. He says, I marvel that ye are soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that will pervert the gospel of Christ. This gospel is so good to an extent that it's a threat to the kingdom of darkness. Because the goodness of God and the grace of God itself is a power that resists darkness. I have a certain translation here. I want to read Galatians chapter 1, the verse 6 to 9 from it. I'm sure you'll be blessed. Now listen to what he said. This is a mirror translation. Galatians 1, 6. Now, he said, I'm amazed that you can so easily be fooled into swapping the gospel for a gimmick. The gospel reveals the integrity of your original identity rescued in Christ. The gimmick is the conglomeration of grace and legalism. The mixture boils down to do it by yourself plan of salvation. Which is a recipe for disaster. There is no other gospel. In spite of the so many Christian products. Branded gospel. If any hint of the law remains. It is not good news. But merely religious people's ideas. Detracting from the gospel of Christ. Some seek to unsettle your minds. By perverting the gospel. To accommodate their own opinion. Now look at what he said. He said, and I and any of my team will stand equally disqualified. Even if we claim to have had an angelic visitation. If what we preach were to stray ever so slightly from the gospel of the finished work of Christ. And he said, let me be blatant and clear about this. Any gospel that does not emphasize the success of the cross is counterfeit and produces nothing.
but the curse. I'm going to read that same scripture from the Message Bible. Give me the Message Bible from Galatians 1.6. It's too beautiful. And look at this. He says, I can't believe your fickleness. How easily you have turned traitor to him who called you by the grace of Christ by embracing a variant message. Next verse. He says, it's not a minor variation. You know, it is completely other. An alien message, a no message, a lie about God. Those who are provoking this agitation among you are turning the message of Christ on its head. Next verse. He says, let me be blunt. If one of us, even if an angel from heaven were to preach something other than what we have preached originally, let him be cursed. Christ, <laughs> there's a reason why we could say that the greatest place to be is not in heaven. And sometimes people get offended when they hear this. But that is the truth. Heaven is a great place to be, but it's not the greatest place to be. Why? Because heaven was created. And for heaven to be created, that means he has a creator. And of course, the created can never be greater than the creator. And the Bible says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The Bible says all things were created by him. And nothing was made that was made without him. So Jesus is the creator of the universe. And he created heaven. So now, the greatest place to be is not in heaven. The greatest place to be is in Christ. If you are in Christ, you are in the greatest place. You know why? Because sometimes many of us think that even heaven is the highest place. But according to Hebrews chapter 7, the verse 26, the Bible says that Jesus Christ has been made higher than the heavens. Give it to me in King James Version. Hebrews 7, 26. Look at that. For such an high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. So if there's anything higher than heaven, it is Christ. And for information, if your goal is to go to heaven, the Bible says heaven and earth shall pass away. So if it passes away, where will you be? I'm sure you'll be hanging in the air for when the renovation is done before you enter. But if you're in Christ... You don't need to fear anything. And the Lord was sharing some beautiful truths with me in Hebrews chapter 1, the verse 3. God willed the whole universe and all things to Jesus. He made everything the property of Jesus. Look, the Bible says, Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself, come to the verse 2. Hath in this last day spoken to us by his son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things. God appointed Jesus heir of all things, including heaven. So heaven was, was a property God willed to Jesus Christ. I love this gospel, Lord. Because if you are in Christ, 
Agbena. Tell somebody Agbena. You are too safe. You are too secure. Oh. Like I told you the other time, God's plan about heaven is even some way. Heaven in itself has a future. Ephesians 1.10. Heaven has a future. In fact, heaven has an expiry date. I know you are surprised. Look at this. He says that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times. So heaven has a timing. He might gather together in one all things in Christ. Both things which are in heaven and which are on earth even in him. So God's plan is that in the fullness of the times, he will collect heaven and earth and put it into Christ. He will collect heaven <laughs> and put it into Christ. How? Give me some few seconds. I want to get this scripture for you. When I saw it, I was just laughing. I was like, God, how can you do this to heaven? Revelation chapter 20, the verse 11. Now look, he says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away. And there was no place found for them. Heaven fled. At Jesus. Hey. Listen. If a believer is scared to go to heaven, he has a problem. Now let me tell you this. You need to be settled about this. The goal of the believer is not heaven. Heaven is not the hope of the believer. Because the believer is already a citizen. The hope of the believer is the return of Jesus. The hope of the believer is the return of Christ. The believer is not hoping for heaven. He is a citizen of heaven. Philippians 3.20. Give it to me quickly. Look at this. He says for our conversation, give me another version. Is there another version there? He says, but there is far more to lie for us. We are citizens of high heaven. So the believer is a citizen. He's not begging God so that he can make it. Are you following this thing? So Christ is so is so key. Let me see if I could get you. Give me Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 in Message Bible. After reading this thing, I'm like, Charlie, if you don't preach Christ, you are a hypocrite. Look at this. He says, We look at this son and see God who cannot be seen. We look at this son and see God's original purpose in everything created. Next verse. 
He says, for everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything God started in him and finds its purpose in him. Look at the next verse. He says, he was there before any of it came into existence and holds it all together right up to this moment. Look at the next verse. This one is too much. He says, and when it comes to the church, he organizes and holds it together. So you're not holding yourself together, including your salvation. He says, like a hand does a body, he was supreme in the beginning and leading the resurrection parade, he is the supreme in the end. From the beginning to end, he is there, towering far above everything, everyone. This one is a bomb. Next one. Look at this. This is the bomb. He says he is so spacious, so roomy, that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. Wow. <laughs> this is too good. I want to read this one again. He says, so spacious is he, so roomy, that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. How? <laughs> Look at the next one. He said, not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animal and atoms, get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of his death, his blood that poured down from the cross. How? Look at the next verse. He says, you yourself are a case study <laughs> of what he does. <laughs> At one time, you all had your backs turned to God, thinking rebellious thoughts of him, giving him trouble every chance you got. <laughs> Look at the next one. He says, but now, by giving himself completely at the cross, actually dying for you, Christ brought you over to God's side and put your lives together, whole and holy in his presence. And the next verse. He says, you don't walk away from a gift like that. <laughs> you stay grounded and steady in the bond of trust, constantly tuned into the message, careful not to be distracted or diverted. There is no other message, just this one. There is no other message, just this one. Every creature under heaven gets this same message. I, Paul, am a messenger of this message. <laughs> Next verse, let's continue. We'll finish soon. He says, I want you to know how glad I am that it's me sitting here in this jail and not you. Paul was in jail when he was writing. He says, there is a lot of suffering to be entered into this world. The kind of suffering Christ takes on. I welcome the chance to take my share in the church part of that suffering. Look at the next verse. When I became a servant in this church, I experienced this suffering as a share gift. God's way of helping me to serve you, laying out the whole truth. Mm -hmm. This mystery has been kept in the dark for a long time, but it's now out in the open. Look, God wanted everyone, not just Jews, to know this rich and glorious secret inside and out. 
regardless of their background, regardless of their religious standing. The mystery in a nutshell is this. Christ in you, therefore, you can look forward to sharing in God's glory. It's that simple. It is the substance of our message. That is the mystery. Christ in you. The hope of sharing in God's glory. That is the substance. You see, he says, we preach Christ, warning people not to add to the message. We teach in the spirit of profound common sense so that we can bring each person to maturity. To mature is to be basic. Christ, no more, no less. <laughs> what? He says, this is what I'm working so hard at day after day, year after year, doing my best with the energy God so generously gives me. And that's what I'm doing for you. So, Christ is the message. Are you here with me? <laughs> All right. So, quickly, let's get into our message. The power of the Holy Communion. Now, it's so sensitive to me because if believers understand the power of the communion, which includes even me, I think and believe that believers can live longer than the expected years. Because the Holy Communion is actually a holy sacrament in the New Testament. Recently, we've heard some few messages that have downplayed the power of the communion in a very nice argumentative display of knowledge. And I heard that The communion teaching came from the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And the argument is that 1 Corinthians was written to immature children in Christ. So the communion was taught to them because they were, they were children. So that means that the communion is not so necessary because the communion is only a physical shadow of the body and the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. But you know, as a child of God, you don't just take anything because it was just said or because the person is very anointed or because the person has a voice. You need to study the scripture for yourself to see the revelation yourself. Number two, I don't normally want to argue about communion issues, whether believers should take communion or whether it's a type and a shadow or it's not supposed to be taken. No, 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 no. You need to have a personal revelation for yourself. And that's what ends the whole argument. Now, you must understand that God's grace has made it so available so that believers can find their way out from different perspectives of revelation in the New Testament. For example, in the Old Testament, there was one way of dealing with sin. It was killing an animal. In the New Testament, God has made different openings available through the revelations in the scripture so that believer can find different escape routes when he's in trouble. For example, if the believer is sick, there are about six different ways he can obtain healing. 
One of them is that the Bible says, you shall lay hands on the sick and he shall recover. So one of them, you can lay hands and you're okay. The next one, you can pray over medicine, take the medicine, you'll be fine. Praise God. The next one also, you can believe God to speak in tongues because when you speak in tongues, you edify your body and you heal it. The next available opening is that when you realize that your faith is not enough and you realize that nothing is happening, he says, call for the elders. <laughs> and let them anoint you with oil and the prayer of faith shall heal the sick. The next option is that you can also stand on certain revelations and declare by confessing the word of God into that sickness. And finally, if you try and everything is not working, take communion. <laughs> so you see, God has made different openings available. So that if this one is not working, this one is a way out. This one is not working, this one is a way out. So the believer does not have an excuse. Are you here with me? That's what the grace of God has made possible. So, why do I teach on the communion? I'll tell you. Number two, is the communion a New Testament practice today? I'll tell you. Now, the first person to introduce the concept of the communion is Jesus Christ himself. Praise the Lord. And amongst all his teachings, it was a communion he told them to do in remembrance of him even after he was dead. Amongst all his teachings, it was the communion he told them to do in remembrance of him, even after death. So, one of the teachings that the church in the New Testament still teaches after Jesus died was the communion. Because majority of the parables of Jesus Christ was even discarded by Paul. And Paul went on to a new fresh revelation. But one of the revelations he could not skip in the New Testament epistles, is the communion. Are you following this thing? So, when did the teaching of the revelation of the communion begin? I'll tell you. It began in Exodus chapter 12. Before Israel came out of captivity, God sent Moses, and Moses performed nine miracles. In all these nine miracles, Israel was not set free. There was a final miracle that brought Israel out of captivity, which was called the miracle of the Passover. Now, what happened in the Passover was that God told them to take a lamb, inspect the lamb if the lamb was clean and whole, keep the lamb for four days, kill the lamb, apply the lamb, blood's lamb on the doorpost, Remain in a room, roast the flesh of the lamb, and eat the flesh of the lamb with bitter leaves or herbs, with unleavened bread. And now, all these things were beautiful pictures of Jesus Christ because Jesus is actually the substance of the Passover. 1 Corinthians 5 7 teaches that Jesus is the substance of the Passover. 
Are you here with me? You need to follow me. If someone is sleeping, just box him. Now look. He says, so get rid of this yeast. Our true identity is flat and plain. Not puffed up with wrong kind of ingredients. The Messiah, our Passover lamb, has already been sacrificed for the Passover meal. And we are the unraised bread part of the feast. So Jesus is actually the Passover lamb. So the lamb that was slaughtered and slain was Jesus. The lamb was arrested, kept for four days. Jesus was arrested, kept for four days. The lamb was supposed to be without blemish. Christ was the lamb without blemish. The lamb was killed. Jesus was killed by the whole assembly. The whole world contributed to the death of Jesus. The blood of the lamb was applied on the doorpost. In the New Testament, Revelation 3.20, he says, Behold, I stand at the door. What door? Your heart is the door. So Jesus applies the blood, his blood today, not on a doorpost, but on your heart. When you believe him. So when they applied the door, the blood on the door, they were inside the room. The blood was not for them to see. It was for God to see. So if you are inside, you can't see the blood. You just must believe that the blood is working for you. It's the same in the New Testament. You don't see the blood, but you must believe in the blood. And as they were inside, they were supposed to be eating the, the, the roasted body of the animal. And surprisingly, God gave them three specific parts of the lamb they should be eating. They were not supposed to be eating all the parts of the animal. Only three. The head, the intestines, and the legs. How? God says roast only the head, the intestines, and the legs. Roast it and eat it. Why? Because the head is the thinking organ. The intestines is the living organ. And the legs is the walking organ. Telling us that if the lamb was representing Jesus Christ, that was roasted with fire. Fire represents judgment. Telling us that on the cross, Jesus was roasted with the judgment of our sin. And they were supposed to feed on the head, the intestines, and the legs. Telling us that as we feed on Jesus, we are empowered to think like him, live like him, and walk like him. So our walk is dependent on our feast. Our thoughts is dependent on our feast. And our life is dependent on what we are eating. You must feed on Jesus. He's your diet. Now amazingly, God told them to eat the flesh of the lamb because they were about to journey. Do you know that Israel, after eating the flesh of the animal, they journeyed for many months without eating. The roasted lamb became the strength for their journey. I'm going to be teaching more on that during our Easter convention. And according to the scriptures, the Bible says that none of them, none of them was ever sick or feeble or weak. Psalm 105. The verse 37. Now look at this. After eating, when they journeyed in the wilderness, none of them was ever sick. Look. He says, he brought them forth also with silver and gold. And there was none. There was not one feeble person amongst their tribes. 
the power of eating the roasted lamb, after eating it, not even one of them ever fell sick in the wilderness. Hey, Kadula Bashaka. Not one of them fell sick after eating the roasted lamb. Not one of them was ever weak or feeble. What they ate was common lamb. And Jesus brought a whole new revelation in Matthew chapter 26, the verse 26. He says something amazing. Now, before that, please come to Exodus chapter 12, the verse 14. God told Israel after, after they were about to come out that what they did was supposed to be a memorial. That means they should do this in remembrance of this day. What day? Their redemption from captivity. Look, he says, and this day shall be unto you for a memorial. Look at this. And ye shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. Ye shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. <laughs> so after they ate it, God says that every year this is your memorial. When you eat, you remember. Now, come to the verse 17. 17. Look. He says, and ye shall observe the feast of unleavened bread. For in this self same day have I brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore ye shall observe this day in your generations by an ordinance forever. You will observe this day. What day? Your day of your deliverance and redemption from captivity. The verse 42. Look. He says, and it is a night to be much observed unto the Lord for bringing them out of the land of Egypt. This is that night of the Lord to be observed of all the children of Israel in their generation. So after they ate it, God says, make this a memorial forever. And when Jesus came in his day, they were still eating the roasted animal. And on living bread as a festival or a feast. You can get my book, Christ the Riches of Eternal Feast, to feast on this revelation. But Jesus brought a whole new revelation to what they did as a memorial till the time Jesus came. Matthew 26, 26. He shifted all their focus from the animal to bread and wine. Now look at this. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and did what? Blessed it. We are going to come there. And break it and give it to the disciples and says, take, eat. This is my body. Now we are going to come to one of the prescriptive um, realities about the communion. He says, take, eat. This is my body. He didn't say, this is like my body. <laughs> You're going to come there. He says, this is my body. Next verse. And he took the cup and gave thanks, gave it to them saying, drink ye all of it. All. Next verse. 
For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for the many for the remission of sins. Next verse. All right, so we're done with that. So now, so Jesus brought a whole new taste. Instead of an animal, he gave them bread and wine. And he emphatically told them that take and eat. This is my body. Take, drink. This is my blood of the cup of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Hmm. Hallelujah. So, after they did this, Jesus died. Guess what? The blood of the lamb in Exodus 12, which was applied on their door, saved them from death. The blood of Jesus Christ in our hearts and on our conscience saves us from spiritual death. After the blood of the animal was shed, Pharaoh allowed God's people to go. After Jesus' blood was shed, our redemption became a reality. So it was the blood that brought man out of sin and captivity and from the grip of the devil. So this cup and this bread is the revelation of your salvation and redemption. Thank you, Jesus. So now, Paul came with a whole new revelation. In the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter verse 18. Now, the Corinthian church was an immature church. And Paul had already, Paul had already introduced the concept of the communion to them, but they had abused the power of the communion. Which was a matter of great concern to Paul. Give me 1 Corinthians 11. The verse 18 in Message Bible. 11, 18. Now look. Paul receives a report of how they are handling the communion. And he was so disappointed. Look at what happened. He says, first, I get this report on your divisiveness. Competing with and criticizing each other. I'm reluctant to believe it. But there is it. Oh, there it is. Next verse. He says, the best that can be said for it is that the testing process will be bring truth into the open and confirm it. Uh-huh. He says, and then I find that you bring your divisions to worship. You come together and instead of eating the Lord's Supper, uh-huh, you bring in a lot of food. You bring in what? A lot of food from the outside and make pigs of yourself. <laughs> Some are left out and go home hungry. Others have to be carried out, too drunk to walk. Hey, Jesus. Paul said, I can't believe it. <laughs> Next verse. He says, don't you have your own homes to eat and drink in? Why would you stoop to desecrating God's church? Why would you actually shame God's poor? I've nev- I never would have believed you. You will stoop to this. And I'm not going to stand by and say nothing. Next verse. 
He says, let me go over with you again exactly what goes on in the Lord's Supper and why it is so centrally important. This is Paul, the apostle of grace, telling them why the communion is centrally important. Look, I received my instructions from the master himself. Hey! Now let's break it down. You can write this down. What Paul addressed in the Corinthian church as a hindrance to the power of the communion. What Paul said to the Corinthian church as a hindrance to the power of the communion. Look at what he said. So number one, there were divisions amongst them. So divisions hinder the power of the communion. Number two, he says wrong doctrines or wrong teachings or heresies are hindrances to the communion. Number three, he says they took the communion as food. So he says they behaved like pigs. They got satisfied after taking communion. So they took the communion as food. Number four, they got drunk with the communion. So taking the communion as food hinders the power of the communion. Getting drunk at the communion hinders the power of the communion. And number five, they mistreated the poor. So how they treated their brethren hindered the power of the communion. So that was the basis of Paul addressing the revelation of the communion. You need to note this, note this down. Now from here, we go straight into looking at the divine prescriptive realities about the communion. The divine prescriptive realities about the communion. Now what I'm about to share is very key. And you need to listen. Praise God. Okay. So divine prescriptive realities about the communion. Now listen to this. Number one, 1 Corinthians 11, 23. Give me KJV. The communion teaching of Paul was a revelation he received as part of the gospel he preached. Now what I'm going to give you is serious. The communion teaching of Paul was a revelation he received as part of the gospel he preached. Look, he says, For I have received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you. I have received that which I have delivered. So Paul received the, commun the, communion, the communion reality by revelation. Now Paul used the same word for the gospel. 1 Corinthians 15, the verse 3. Look at what Paul said here, and let's compare that to 1 Corinthians 15, where he defined the gospel. Look. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. How that Christ died. So Paul was defining the gospel as the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. He says, he delivered unto them that which he what? Received. And how did he receive? He received by revelation. Galatians chapter 1, the verse 10 and 11. You see how Paul received it. Look, he says, For do I not persuade men or God? Do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be a servant of Christ. Next verse. He said, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. Uh huh. 
For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by? But by? So what Paul received and delivered was by? Was by? Are you catching this thing? 1 Corinthians 11.23, let's go back. So Paul received this by revelation. Now you might be wondering when Paul was quoting this one. It looks like Paul was trying to repeat Jesus. Listen, Paul said no one taught him. So what Paul wrote here, Peter didn't teach him. Let me prove to you. Galatians chapter 1, come to the last three verses. I think the verse 18. Galatians 1, 18. Come to 16. Okay, come to 15 so that it becomes much. Okay, it says, but when he pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace. Uh-huh, look at this. To reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the hidden. Immediately, look, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. No human being. Next verse. Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me. But I went into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. So whatever Paul is teaching you here, Peter didn't tell him that Jesus met us at the upper room. He received it by the revelation of I think this is a place you should clap your hands. <laughs> by revelation. Come back to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 23. So he says for I have received of the Lord that which I delivered to you. That means what he received was revelation. So whatever Paul was about to teach about the communion was a revelation from Jesus. Are you here with me? Now, I always argue, you know, when I hear of certain arguments going on, whether Christians should fast, Christians should not fast, Christians Christian should give, Christians should not give. If Paul, the apostle of grace, fasted, you will <laughs> Paul said in fastings often <laughs> so if Paul talked about the communion what must you do you must eat it <laughs> that means you cannot get any higher revelation than what Paul taught I'm telling you are you here with me? Are you following this thing? Number two, the communion is the cup of blessing. It is the cup of blessing. The communion is a blessing. Matthew 26, 26. The communion is a blessing. He says, and as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it. So the communion is a blessing. Jesus blessed it and from that day the communion is a blessing. So you cannot eat the communion and remain under a curse. Hmm. Are you following this thing? Number three. Now this one will bless you. The communion is a thanksgiving, not a request. 
First Corinthians eleven twenty four. The communion is a thanksgiving. It's not a request. He says that when he had given thanks and break it, giving thanks. So the communion is not a request. When you are taking the communion, you are not asking God to heal you. You are thanking God for healing. So the communion is a thanksgiving, not a request. Are you following this thing? So whatever benefit is in the communion is not a request. Whatever benefit in the communion is a thanksgiving. Thanking God you have it. Hey! Number four. This one is a bomb. The communion is not a type and shadow. <laughs> the communion is not a type and shadow. And that is where the problem is. In the Old Testament, what they did to the lamb was a type and shadow. In the New Testament, in the transition, what Jesus gave to them was not type. It was in shadow. It was the spiritual substance in the flesh. Now listen. He says, take it. This is a type of my body. Did he say it? He says, this is. That's the revelation. The body and the blood is not a type. The bread and the wine is not type. He says, this is my body. It is my body. So, the problem is that when we are eating, we eat it as bread. He says, this is my body. This is my blood. So, the problem is your perception and revelation. Now, this thing is key. What I'm teaching is very key. Hmm. I hope somebody's been blessed now. So he says, take it. This is my body. It is my body you are eating. It is not bread. It is my body. So the communion is not, it is not shadow and type. It is substance. So the communion is the spiritual substance in the flesh. So whatever you are eating in the communion is the very Jesus you are eating. And it seems to be that the communion is the only physical medium Jesus substantiated spiritually. It's the only physical medium that was substantiated spiritually. And this is good. Next one. Number five. The communion is eating in remembrance of Christ. Not in remembrance of you. In remembrance of Christ. Not in remembrance of your sins. Twenty-five. Okay, good. He's here. He says, "Which is my body broken for you? Do this in remembrance." Now, the word remembrance in the Greek is anemnesis. And the word anemnesis means recollection. Recollect it. Recollect. To recollect means 
You must act as though you were there. You were there. You were there. Physically. That means you must eat. This is good. You must eat the communion with the power of your imagination. So when you are eating it, you are recollecting this is his body. This is his blood. I am eating the very body and blood to remember what he did in past for me. Do it in recollection of me. What I did. Remember it. Imagine it as you are eating it. Now what I'm teaching you is so key because when you take the communion with this revelation, I am telling you, you will always have results. You will always have results. Is someone following this thing? Good. Number six. The communion is the cup of the New Testament in his blood. It is the cup of the New Testament in his blood. The verse 25. He says, after the same manner, he took the cup, and when he has served, saying, this is the cup of the New Testament in my blood. This is the cup of the New Testament. He called, he didn't say a cup of the type it is the cup of the New Testament in my blood. So the New Testament are vested in it. The benefits of the New Testament is spiritually vested in the blood. Oh. Now let me give you an explanation. This will, this will bless you. When you take paracetamol, do you see that when you look at paracetamol, it looks like a chalk? But do you use it to write it on a blackboard? Why? Because though it looks like a chalk, the ingredients in it is not chalk ingredients. The ingredients in it has the power to cure you of, cure you of pain. The Bible is telling you when you see the communion, it's not bread, it's not, it's not wine. It is the spiritual power of Jesus vested in that physical medium. So when you take it, you release the spiritual nutrients in it into your system. Ah, I love this truth. I love this truth. Now, isn't it amazing? That Jesus did not leave us any physical medium in the New Testament except the communion. And Jesus intended that the communion will be the drug and the meal of the New Testament for the believer. <laughs> oh, can we continue? Number seven, verse 26. As often as you eat it. Write it down. As often as you eat it. Meaning there are no restrictions on when you should take it. There are no restrictions on when and how many days, months, or years you should take it. It's a matter of personal conviction. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do... Let me not go ahead of myself. As often as you eat it. Listen. Listen. I want to advise that you eat it at least every day. 
at least every day. And after this teaching, I'm going to tell you why the believer must be eating the communion by heart. You should eat the communion by heart. And someone says, hey, what if I can't afford it? I'll, I'll, I'll be teaching you soon. You can write this down. The communion can be taken in a form of biscuit. In a form of bread. In a form of boat Or kose. I'm giving you, I'm, 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 I'm getting somewhere. But not in the form of banku. So if you cannot afford what you have and you open, you either buy bread or biscuit. If you have kose, you can use it. But not big one. Yeah. Now, with a drink also, you can use malt. You can use grape, juice, coke, Fanta, or final, water. Now, all these classifications is to let you know that it is affordable. It is what? Affordable. In the Old Testament, all what they did, God made classifications. They are the bulls, we have the sheep, we have the goats, then they had the turtle dove. The turtle dove was for the poor. If you can't afford, you come with the turtle dove. So if you cannot afford it, use water. That's the last resort. But you can buy coke. If you can buy credit on your phone, you can buy coke. Once it is 20 pesos. Yeah. So that means you can afford it. This tells you you must actually eat the communion every single day, if possible. Now I'm not just teaching you, I'm teaching myself. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Hmm. The church has missed too much. Has missed too much. There are so many things that are happening in your life. And you're just worrying yourself. It's the communion you're missing. I'm telling you, it's the communion. If every single day you start taking the communion, 20 years from now, Ah, I said, I'm going to teach you why you should be taking the communion. I'm going to tell you why. Let me finish it. Number nine. Uh, number eight, sorry. When we take the communion, we are proclaiming the Lord's death. The word proclaim means you are declaring it. By eating, you are proclaiming. By eating, you are declaring his death. Now that means, declaring his death means that you are declaring all the benefits his death brought to you. That's what you are doing. You are declaring all the benefits his death wrought for you as a believer. This teaching is too key for me. I'm telling you, it's too sensitive for me. I have so many testimonies to share with you about the communion. Now, number nine. I don't want to go ahead of myself. The communion can be eaten unworthily. Next verse, 27. It says, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread or drink this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. That is when religion comes in. 
where people take this thing out of context. They say, if you have seen, don't try. <laughs> don't come around here. Because, <laughs> because if you come here, the judgment of the Lord will come upon you. Everybody is quiet on this. Sister, let's go. But it's a shock to me. It's a shock to me. You know why it's a shock to me? It's a shock to me that the first people who took the communion were not born again. In other words, they were sinners. In fact, Judas took it when he was about to betray Jesus. <laughs> so, the communion has got nothing to do with sin. It has got nothing to do with the sinner. It has got everything to do with the savior. That is how, that is why he says, in remembrance of me. So the communion is not about you. It is about him first before it becomes about you. So if there's anything restricting you from eating the communion, you are a proud man. Whatever is preventing you from eating the communion is pride and rebellion. Whatever is preventing you from eating the communion is pride and rebellion. He says, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily. He didn't say, who shall drink this cup when he's unworthy. Are you seeing? He didn't say, drink it as unworthy. Drink it unworthily. So the problem is not with the taker. It is how the taker takes it. <laughs> Unwordly. So it is how he partakes in the communion. Not his behavior. Not his character. Not what he has done. He eats it. He didn't say eat it unworthy. He says eat it unworthily. So it is how he participates in the communion that brings the guilt. So he leaves the table condemned. Because he saw himself when he took the bread. Instead of seeing Jesus. Now, why did he talk about eating the communion unworthily? How does a believer eat the communion unworthily? Look, he says, one for whichever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall bring uh, guilt to the what? Body and what? Blood of the Lord. Now, this means that the believer must examine what the body and the blood stands for. That is where the revelation is. As you are holding the body, what revelation are you holding? As you are holding the blood, what is the revelation you are having? That is the problem. If you can know the worth of the blood and the body. You can never take it unworthily. Now, let's start with the body. 
the body of our Lord represents everything and anything he suffered in his body for the church. The body represents anything and everything Jesus suffered for the benefit of the church. And you must count through your spirit to see what he suffered in his body. You remember number one, Jesus Christ sweat and his sweat became like blood. When did the sweat take place? On his body. Remember in Genesis, after man sinned, God cursed the ground and said, out of the sweat of thy brow, thou shalt eat. Jesus sweat blood on his body to break the curse of sweat on man. Sweat in Genesis, sweat in the garden of Gethsemane to break the curse of sweat. So in the New Testament, you don't sweat to eat. You believe to eat. The just shall live by faith. <laughs> the just shall live by faith. Not by sweat. So if you are sweating, you are not living by the Lord. So he sweat on his body. That is number one about the body of Jesus. So when you are holding this bread, which is the body, you are holding the sweat he sweat for you in reality. That this is the body that sweat for me. As I eat, I can't sweat. <laughs> number two, let's push it. Come on, shout, push it. Number two. They stripped Jesus of all his clothes and Jesus became naked. His body was made naked. Now, most of the time when we see Jesus Christ hanging on the cross in most of the pictures in the house, they have used some gilly to cover his hair. It was the artist who didn't want to disgrace Jesus. But the actual thing that happened to Jesus was that Jesus was made naked. Those days when they catch someone who is told to blaspheme against the Roman government, they treat him as a criminal. Jesus was treated as a criminal. Criminals are not given any advantage to say let's cover him. Naked. So everything was bouncing and dangling. It might sound funny. It might sound funny, but it was not funny. Because he became naked for you for a reason. Nakedness represents shame. As you are holding the body, you are holding the man that took your shame. So you cannot be in shame. You are holding your shame. Your shame, you are holding it. As you are taking it, you are saying, Hey, shame no more. Yeah, shame on shame. Shame no more. Listen, I'm giving you a certain revelation. Shame. Nakedness on this body. Next one. If you read, the Bible carefully. They spat on Jesus. 
when he was going to the cross. They did what? Spat on him. To spit on someone means you take the person for granted. That means as you are holding the body, you are saying nobody can take my life for granted. Nobody can dupe me. Nobody can take my life for granted. Nobody can use me and dump me. My life cannot be for granted. Nobody can treat me like a rag. Nobody can spit on me. It's not possible. Listen, this thing is too key. This is too key. This is too key. Listen, after, after this morning, when you are taking this communion, you must be remembering this thing. That's how to recollect. He says, do this in remembrance, in recollection. Recollect this thing. Next one. His body was whipped. It's amazing. If you read Isaiah chapter 53, the Bible says, for by his stripe we are healed. Now, most of the time we see the word stripes. In the original Hebrew, it was not stripes. It was stripe. Now, let me explain. According to the Jews, when they finish whipping you, the interval between one whip and the next whip, if it measures one inch, it is called stripes. But after whipping you, when they measure the interval between one whip and another, and it's not up to one, one inch, it's called stripe. What does it mean? That means there was no loophole on your skin that was not whipped. In other words, you were whipped wholly. So, Jesus did not have stripes. Stripe. That means every part of his body was bruised. So that every part of your body will be loosed. Every part of the body of Jesus was bruised. So that every part of your body will be loosed. Ah, Baduna Makaya. Eka Talababose. Listen. They did not use a cane to whip Jesus. Today, in our modern 21st century, we use cane for whipping. Those days when they catch a criminal, they don't use cane. Roman soldiers had their own whip. It was called the matics, or the flagrum, or the cat of nine tails. This was an instrument. It was not a cane, it was an instrument. It had a leather handle with different cords which was nine in number and on each cord there were broken bones lead balls broken bottles iron and lead on each ropes and there were nine let me explain when they whip your back as one it is not one it is a cat of nine tails so it's as though you have been whipped nine and according to history, when you are whipped one, because of the nature of the whip, it takes your flesh and comes off. When Isaiah saw it, he called it stripes. David went closer in the spirit. He said, this is not stripe. He says, the plowers plowed my back. It was not stripes, it was plowing. She will say, so you could see holes literally at the back of Jesus because of what the whip did. 
<laughs> so, the Romans will give you 40 lashes. The Jews will give you 40 minus 1, making 39. And the one is an act of mercy after they've given you all these ones. So the Romans whipped Jesus 40. Now listen, according to science, there are 39 root diseases in this world. Every whip represented one of them. So the 39 whips plus the one took care of the 39 root diseases in this world against the believer's body. And someone will ask, if he took 39, what was the extra one? Jesus left the extra one so that in case anyone shall add to it, he has taken care of it. So, actually, when they whip you one, they have whipped you nine. And Jesus took 40. 40 times nine is what? 360. By his stripes, you had 360 wholeness in healing. You were wholly healed. Your complete healing is in the stripes on the body of Jesus. So, the believer can experience total healing. So, when you are holding the body, you are holding your healing. You are saying, Jesus, just like the bread was broken, your body was broken. So, as I eat, I eat your broken body for my disease. This is what you are saying when you are proclaiming the lost death. Isaiah chapter 53, the verse... Three, four, five. Hmm. Look, surely he has borne our griefs. Anything that makes you sorrowful, in, including sickness, because you cannot laugh when you are sick. And carrying our sorrows, the word sorrow is pain. Yet we did esteem him stricken of God and afflicted. Next verse. But he was wounded for our transgression. So Jesus was not wounded for his transgression. So if you are sick, you are sick for nothing. He was wounded for your transgression. He was bruised for your iniquities. So everything Jesus did on his body was for you. When you remember it, you activate it. With his stripe, we are healed. Peter looked at it and said, no. Isaiah said, with his stripes, we are healed. Peter changed the equation. First Peter 2.24. Peter changed it. Peter saw something better. Isaiah said, by his stripes, we are healed. Look. He says, who? His own self bear our sins in his own body on a tree. That we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness. By whose stripes ye were, were healed. Isaiah said by his stripes you are healed. Peter said no. Right now he has done it. By his stripes ye were healed. So healing is the past tense of the believer. So when you are taking the communion, you are not begging God to heal you. You are thanking God for healing. Listen, 
I cannot work hard to give you this thing. And you play with it. This is a holy sacrament, I'm telling you. You can't play with this. It's too sacred for you to play with it. That when I tell you, take the communion offering, you listen to this message. And that is all. And you are waiting for another message. Listen, there are so many Christians who come to church, they just get blessed at that season when they go home. That they don't even give value to what they learned. Any teaching that is given to you is a responsibility. If you do nothing with it, so you see many believers who are coming the same and sometimes as pastors you get frustrated because you think nothing is happening. But it's because the believers are not applying and practicing the teaching they are hearing. In their office, they are different. In the house, they are different. In church, they are different. Because they have demarcated their Christian life into different lives. And that's the problem. So they only apply the word in church. After church, they live ordinary lives. Make safe confessions. Tell Christians, Charlie, I'm sick. I'm sick. I'm dying. Listen, if you have sickness, if you have headache, don't complain. Take communion. Don't be telling people about your sickness. You are magnifying it because your words are power. Your words are power. Let's finish this thing. Hmm. Guess what? His head wore the crown of thorns. And you'll be wondering, what about the crown of thorns? Do you remember the curse of Genesis chapter 3? He says, curse is the ground. It shall bring forth thorns and tistils. And Jesus wore the crown of thorns. So that... The curse of Genesis about limitation. Tongues represents limitation. The Bible says the seed that fell upon tongues are that which, which when they are growing, because of the tongues, they are choked. So tongues represents limitation. God told the Israelites that they shouldn't go and fight yet because these people will be tongues in their flesh. It's not physical. It means limit. there will be a limitation. There will be a hindrance. So tongues signifies hindrances. So as you are, this crown of tongues was put upon his head. Let me tell you, those days, the Roman soldiers did not have time to design the crown to fit your head. You are a criminal for God's sake. So they designed it how they like. So woe unto you if your head is bigger than the tongues. They put it on your head and they take a club and hit it for it to pierce into your skull. And that's what they did to Jesus. They forced the crown of tongues upon his head. And they hit it and it entered into his scalp. So the crown of tongues, number one, was to break limitation. Hindrances. And any disease that can affect your head. Brain tumor. Brain cancer. Headache migraine he has taken it brain tumor brain cancer brain damage headache migraine he has taken it so as you hold the body you say brain tumor is cancelled from my head you might not have brain tumor now but you are not taking it to cure you are taking it to prevent you see many believers always want the problem to come before they are looking for the word to cure. Oh. 
He says when you are taking the communion, you are preventing yourself from even encountering it in the future. So any disease related to the head, as you take the communion, you are agreeing that it has been terminated from my body. This is too good. Let's finish this thing. Let's finish it. Now look at this one. His palms were nailed. And you'll be wondering, what do you use your hands for? For working. Catch the revelation yourself. The work of your hands. And anything you do with your hand, this man's hands were nailed. Listen, as you hold the body, you are declaring that the work of my hands are blessed. The works of my hands are blessed because his hands were cursed. If you were a student, as you are partaking the communion, you are telling, you are saying to the communion, the body and blood, that me, I cannot struggle after school. That's what you are saying. The work of my hands are blessed. Because remember the communion is the cup of blessing. They are blessed. And his feet was pierced. Joshua said, wherever the soles of your feet shall tread upon, you shall possess. Wherever the soles of your feet shall tread upon, you shall possess. So Jesus' feet was pierced. So that wherever the soles of your feet shall tread upon, it is your possession. If you are going for an interview and you take the communion, you are saying that what his feet did for me, I am possessing it. When my legs touch the company, I have possessed it. So you see, so the communion is actually partaking in what Jesus suffered from head to toe. <laughs> and guess what? When Jesus died, one of the Roman soldiers took a spear and pierced the side. Blood and water came out. Why did blood and water come out? Because on the cross, time will not permit me to talk about the scientific suffering Jesus went through. What happened was that the cross was not comfortable. And what happened to Jesus was that those days when they stretch your hand, they stretch your hand to where they want the nail to be. So if your hand doesn't get there, they dislocate it and stretch it. So your hands will be dislocated and stretched to reach where they want it to reach. So as his hands were dislocated, feet dislocated, now the strength to rest on his thigh was no longer there because it was broken. So now he has to rest on his chest. That was his only source of strength. And as you rest on your chest, what happens is that instead of breathing in oxygen, you actually breathe in carbon monoxide. Sorry, carbon dioxide. So you are supposed to do what? Bring out carbon dioxide and take in what? Oxygen. It becomes the opposite. 
So it causes the heart to rapture. So by the time they pierce the side of Jesus, his heart had ruptured. That means Jesus died of broken heart. Listen to me. On his side, it connected to every area around his tummy. His womb. His intestines. His lungs. His kidneys. That piercing signifies that you cannot have lung cancer. Anything connected to your womb anything connected to your intestines anything connected to your kidneys Jesus work on the cross has taken care of it as you are holding the bread you are saying my womb is fruitful as you are holding the bread you are saying my lungs are safe as you are holding the bread you are saying my kidneys are in order as I partake it I would not have kidney failure I would not have lung cancer anything connected to my stomach also is not permitted in this body anything connected to my womb anything connected to my lungs anything connected to my intestines in the name of Jesus even if I eat any deadly thing it shall not harm me because Jesus was wounded on his side he was pierced on his side so that no surgery will perform on my body his body was opened his stomach was opened so that no surgery will be opened no surgery will be performed on my body in the name of Jesus I escape every surgery I escape the opening of my body i escape any oppression in my stomach in the name of jesus i declare begin to recollect what his body has accomplished begin to recollect what his body has wrought for you begin to recollect the finished work of his body my hand is not going through surgery my hand is not going through brain damage my hand is not going through cancer my hand cannot suffer migraines i cannot have stomach ulcer because of his body the work of his body the work of his body the breaking of his body by his stripes by his tribe i am healed cancer is out stomach ache is out oppression is out i receive my healing i walk in the power of god
In this year, no arm robber can affect my body. No arm robber can harm my body. No thieves can harm my body. No arm robber can pierce me with a knife. No arm robber can pierce me with a gun. No arm robber can shoot me. Hey, my body, my body, my body. Hey, kataya kata, hey kataya kata, hey kataya kata, hey kataya kata. Ebad Antonia, Ebad Antonia, Ebad Antonia, Ebad Antonia, Ebad Antonia. Reapakaya, reapakaya. I am not visiting the hospital. I'm not lying on a hospital bed. Glory. Glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let me finish it. You can stand. Let me finish it quickly. Then we can pray. What about his blood? Do you know that blood has a voice? Blood is not silent. Blood speaks. Do you know that even the blood of Abel spoke? And he spoke vengeance over his death against Cain. So blood is not silent. Blood speaks. But guess what? Hebrews chapter 12, the verse 24. And Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling, that speaketh. This time, his blood did not speak vengeance like Abel. His blood speak better things than that of Abel. So if his blood does not speak vengeance, but speaks better things, guess what? His blood speaks grace. So listen to me. If blood speaks and you take the blood into your body, guess what? If there is anything that is not conformable to the image of Christ in your body, the blood speaks against it. This is what you are doing when you are taking the communion. You are saying that this blood is a voice. And as it gets into my system, even if there is a hidden disease I'm not aware of, the blood can speak. And like I told you, the communion is not type and shadow. It is substance. There is a spirit in the communion. There is a spirit in the communion. My kid brother who did science was telling me something. And it shocked me. It gave me a new revelation. 
about what Jesus did. He said, do you know that when you take medicine, the medicine does not heal you. I said, what are you saying? He said, let me explain. He said, when you take a drug, what the drug does is that the drugs empowers the cells that are weak so that they can have enough strength to fight against the cells that are fighting your body. I was shocked. So, if it is malaria, the, I don't know whether it is red or bl white blood cell, but what he said was that the drug empowers the cells by producing in it a certain hormone in it to have energy to fight against the cells that are weakening your body. So drugs don't heal. It is your same body system that heals. And I said, are you kidding me? Is what you're saying true? He said, yes. That means when a man takes the communion, his body cells are empowered and charged to fight against, against illegal activities in the body. So the communion is an empowerment. It's an empowerment in your, your body cells. It's an empowerment in your veins. It's an empower. It's an empowerment in your internal organs. It strengthens your kidneys, strengthens your lungs, strengthens your. It purifies your blood. It purifies your blood. Whew. Can you imagine that someone can take a drug, a human being? has produced called blood tonic and this man will take blood tonic and the blood tonic will begin to increase his appetite for food how much more the tonic of our lord jesus how much more the tonic of the blood listen there is a better blood tonic it is called the communion there is a better blood tonic called communion when you take this thing in faith in what I've told you. The communion can change your appetite. It can change your organs. It can, it can recreate new organs in your system. Let me finish this. The Bible says the life of the flesh is in the blood. The life of the flesh is in the blood. So, what is making you alive as a human being is the blood. <laughs> is someone catching this revelation? The life of the flesh is in the blood. In other words, blood is equal to life. And you are holding the cup of the blood of the New Testament. For your information, it was the blood that inaugurated it inaugurated and activated the New Testament. That means the blood can activate even other things in your body. If the blood was worthy enough to activate the New Testament, guess what? Inaugurating and activating new things in your body is possible. The life of the flesh is in the blood. So the blood of Jesus, which is taken through the power of the communion, can bring life to your body. So listen. By this revelation, imagine a believer taking the communion every single day for one year. I'm going to come to testimonies. Where a man was sharing a testimony with me that he had been taking the communion three times per week 
For 15 years, he said he has never been sick. He has never taken drugs. 15 years. 15 years. I'm like, oh, we are missing too much. Listen, listen, let me help you. Do you know it is the food we eat that kills us? The pork you have been eating. The kelewele you have been eating. The fried fish you have been eating. The meat you have been eating. It is what kills you. So imagine you take the pork plus communion. Guess what? It neutralizes it in your body. Hold on. Do you want biblical proof? The early church took communion before they ate meat. Acts chapter 2, the verse 46. Look. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread. Breaking bread there is communion. From house to house. So they were doing it from house to house. Did eat their meat. So they broke bread before they ate meat. <laughs> Imagine you eat communion before breakfast, communion before lunch, communion before supper. All these petty, petty sicknesses that kills people. The communion makes a difference in your body. Listen. <laughs> this is good. Listen. What the blood and the body of Jesus is to your spirit. The communion is to your body. I repeat. What the blood and the body of Jesus is to your spirit. The communion is to your body. You want explanation? Let me just help you. The blood and the body of the Lord Jesus brought salvation to your spirit. The communion brings salvation to your body. So God designed that what his blood and body did spiritually for you, the communion is going to do it in that same way physically. You don't know what this message is doing to me. Listen, you don't know what this message is doing to me. After today, me, myself, I'm being renewed and I'm going to take the communion as if my head no day. As if I don't have sense. The blood of Jesus cleanses our conscience from dead works. The blood of Jesus brings us forgiveness. Do you know that in the book of Revelation chapter 5, the Bible says that there was a seal that was locked. And there was no man that could open the seal. 
and they saw a lamb that was slain with his blood. And it says, worthy is the lamb that was slain to open the seals. So the blood of Jesus can open any locked door. Anything that is sealed, the communion can open. The Bible says, and they overcame him by the blood. So, the communion has overcoming power. So, communion versus malaria. I'm wrestling. Wow. Overcoming power. <laughs> communion versus cancer. <laughs> Hands down. And they overcame by the blood. So as you are holding the blood, you are holding an overcoming power. You are holding a power that can break seals. Things that are locked up. <laughs> Let me read this for five minutes. We pray. And now, we will take the communion. And listen, after today, the testimonies we are going to be hearing in the ministry is going to be too much. Our forefathers, who were Jews, ate a roasted lamb, and none of them was feeble. And you are eating a real thing. What they ate was fake. What you are eating is reality. Original. How come you are sick? Because you are eating unworthily. How does a man eat unworthily? First Corinthians chapter 11 the verse 27. Look. 27 explains what it means to eat unworthily. He says, Wherefore, whoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the blood and body of our Lord. Next verse. He says, but let a man examine himself. Now, when a man says examine yourself, it's not saying examine yourself to see whether you are sinning or not. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, I think 13 or 12, he says examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. So the self-examination is not self-examination of your attitude. It's self-examination of your faith. Examine yourself means that examine yourself to see whether you really believe what you are coming to do. He said, and so let him eat. Are you seeing? How you examine yourself is the revelation by which you eat. Next verse. Look, next verse. 29. He says, for he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, and eat and, and he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself. Why? Not discerning the Lord's body. The word discerning means understand, perceive, understand, and perceive. Not understanding or not perceiving the body of our Lord. It seems to me that communion without understanding, revelation, and faith is ritual. 
Communion without faith, understanding, and revelation is a ritual. It's a ritual. So we have many who take communion as a ritual because they have not designed the revelation of the Lord's body. And what I did for you in the Lord's body is a discernment. I gave you a discernment, a perception, an understanding of the Lord's body. Are you seeing this thing? Next verse. Look. See, so anyone that doubts the communion, this verse is enough to silence you. Anyone that preaches against communion, this verse is enough. He says, for this cause, that means because people are eating the communion without revelation, this is the reason many of you are weak and sick and are dead. So the reason many Christians are sick, are weak, and are dead is because they take it without revelation. So it seems to me that communion connects to a man's health, a man's strength, and a man's life. So listen, anytime you are taking the communion, it's a death and life situation. It's not a funny moment. It's a death and life situation. He says, he eateth damnation. The word damnation doesn't mean judgment of you going to hell or bringing a curse. The word damnation is the Greek word krima, which means the sentence of the fall. The sentence of the fall. That means without eating the communion with, with revelation, this world itself is under the sword of the devil. So if you eat it without revelation, you are introducing the sentence of the fall. The effect of the fall is still in this world. So without eating with revelation, you are welcoming the sentence of the fall. The sentence that came along with sin. You are saying, I love you. That's what you are doing. You are embracing the sentence of the fall. Do you know the sentence of the fall? The more you are living, the more you are dying. That's how life has been designed. The more you live, the more you die. The more you grow, the more you die. That is the sentence of this world. It's the damnation of the world. The more you are living, the more you are dying. So, they will tell you that how strong you are today, when you are 60, you will not be strong that way. You know why? Because you are dying more and more. So, the sentence of the fall is diability. So, <laughs> When you take the communion, you are giving the sentence of life called undiability. Which they call immortality in the body. Now watch this. I'm going to read this one. The communion transfers or transmits immortality into your physical body. It transfers and transmits immortality into your physical body. Now, what, what I mean by transfers immortality into your physical body, it means that it can slow or delay the death process or decaying process in your body. So the communion has the power of delaying or slowing the aging process in your body. So you can stop aging in your body. You can delay the speed 
of aging because the more you are aging the more you are dying so if you slow the aging process you become younger and younger instead of older and older so God gave the communion as a gift to slow and delay and if possible stop the aging process in man Smith Wigglesworth took the communion every day until he was 80 years when he died, they did a postmortem in his body and they realized that his intestines were as fresh as a baby. So the aging process in his body was halted. So the guy stopped growing internally. He stopped aging. It was delayed. It was stopped. It was halted. And immortality swallowed up mortality. Let's proceed. The communion can either be taken as food or as life. It, de it depends on what you are seeing. Some see food. I heard some university guys one day taking a communion say, hey, today the bread increased. Oh. They took the communion as food, not as life. Taking the communion is agreeing with the benefits of the New Testament. Taking the communion is an agreement of the benefits of the New Testament. You are saying, I agree. Whatever Jesus did, I agree. So taking the communion is an agreement. You are saying yes to the finished work in your body. Now look. Taking the communion, now, in the communion, Jesus gives us his own body and blood to be a spiritual meal or food in order to nurture and sustain the divine life. Now, there was a church father who was called Saint Ignatius. This is what Saint Ignatius said. Saint Ignatius was 110 plus. So you better listen to him. He said, the communion, to me, is called the medicine of immortality. <laughs> he was one of the church fathers. He said, the communion to me is the medicine of immortality and the antidote to death. The communion is the medicine for immortality and the antidote to death. Tell somebody, I refuse to die. Let me finish this. The communion is a spiritual way of putting the body shell of Jesus and living by his life in the flesh. It's the spiritual way of putting on the body shell of Jesus. Now what happens is that the more you are taking the communion, the more the formation of the body of Jesus takes over your body. So how Jesus was before he took our sin, you become that way. Jesus' blood was not contaminated with the fall. His body was never sick before he went to the cross. As you are taking the communion, you are forming that same body in your body. And in your blood. So imagine, gradually, your body is transforming. How many have what transformers before? Your body is transforming. Your blood is transforming. Gradually, your blood is becoming the very blood of Jesus. That, most sicknesses are blood transmitted. 
So imagine if the communion takes over your blood. That means it stops any blood-related diseases in your body. Listen to this one. The communion is the spiritual immunization that means that one needs to partake weekly and monthly depending on his conviction. So your, your immunization, your spiritual and physical immunization is in the communion. So the best NHIS policy is communion. Oh, I'm telling you. I'm telling you, that's your best insurance, your health insurance. That's the best health insurance you can ever have as a believer. You must take the communion like you read your Bible every day. If I say this to you, some of you read your Bible thrice in five months. So this one cannot work for you. Look at this bomb. The communion is prepared by humans, but it goes beyond the physical meal. It's actually a spiritual meal. Though it is prepared by a human, the power in it is conferred by God. Though prepared by a human, the power in it is conferred by God. The communion is a it's not a ritual to be observed. It's a blessing to be received. <laughs> the communion is not a ritual to be observed. It is a blessing to be received. So there are some of you, you are waiting for the end of month for the church to take communion. Then you come and take it. That's ritual. It's a blessing to be received. So you can take it at home. Take it at the office. Take it when you travel. Take it anywhere. You cannot take the communion and have food poisoning at the same time. It doesn't work. Benefits of the communion. Let me read it first. Number one. The communion heals incurable diseases. Do you know how Jesus puts it? He says, healing shall be bread for the children. Healing shall be the bread of the children. So it seems to me that the bread, which is the body of Jesus, is equated to healing. So there is healing in the bread. And like I said, it can cure any incurable disease. Number one. Number two, the communion is the coverage for divine protection. Number three, the communion it's a prescription for health, strength, and longevity. It's a prescription for health, strength, and longevity. In other words, sickness, weakness, and deadness can be cured through the communion. Number four, it renders sickness ineffective and demonic attacks and evil dreams. Believers who dream by heart, you have a dream, you're in the zoo, you have a dream, you're in your village, you have a dream, you are playing pitinga. <laughs> you have a dream, you are playing alukoto, you have a dream, you are wearing school uniform, all this. <laughs> when you start taking the communion, you know be having pitinga dreams. Oh. 
it see it 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 quickly it quickly dissolves demonic activities in the body. It quickly dissolves demonic activities in the body. Now I'm saying this because some people will be coming to you don't have the revelation you have and they are seriously under demonic attacks. By your revelation, you activate it and give it to them to take. You'll be surprised what will happen to them. Finally, it releases the blessings of the New Testament. Before I finish, like I said, you take the communion discerning the lost body. In other words, did the blood bring us forgiveness? So when you take it, it's thanksgiving, right? Thanking God for forgiveness. So how can you be thanking God for forgiveness when you have not forgiven your brother who is in the house? You have not forgiven that church member. Yet you are thanking God for forgiveness. Do you know what you are doing? You are a hypocrite. You are not discerning the lost body. So the moment you see this body and this blood on the table, you say, Father, this is my forgiveness. <coughs> Whoever offended me, Lord, I release that bitterness from your heart. That's how you take it wordly. It's one, it's one of them. Praise God. So there are some of you, you are angry with somebody, you say, Chain, we could come in another. When I come, we'll continue from there. We'll continue from there, so hold on. Lift up your hands, rise up on your feet. Say, Dear Lord, I receive the benefits of the New Testament. As I partake in the communion. I speak over my body. I speak over my body. Come on. I speak over my body. I speak over my body. I declare life. In the name of Jesus. The power of God is in my body. I cannot be sick. I cannot have cancer. I cannot have diseases in my body. No weakness. No sickness. No deadness. Immortality is swallowing up. Life in my body. In Jesus name. There was a disease breakout. In a place in America. And everyone, almost everyone was affected by the disease. Except one man. Who was called John G. Lake. And they said, what about this man? That all the viruses affect everybody but not this man. Not knowing John G. Lake was taking a communion every day. So they took a blood sample and they put a microscope under it and they took samples of the virus and they dropped it in the blood. In less than 10 seconds, the viruses died. Now, the blood has mixed with his blood that diseases that relate to blood failed upon contact. So imagine, this is not somebody who was living in Jesus' day. It is John G. Lake. A woman was having a severe attack on the stomach and she took the communion. In less than a week, she was going to the washroom. After she finished with the washroom and she looked inside the pot, live ants, more than 1,000 came from her. Live ants, 
that were moving and walking came out. Live. Where did the ants come from? How can ants be living in someone's stomach? Isn't it demonic? Like I told you, the communion breaks demonic powers in the body. Pastor Joseph Prince gave a testimony of a woman. The father was dead and forced the communion into his mouth as he was dead. And the man woke up again. <laughs> this is somebody walking by faith. This man was dead. He forced the communion in the mouth. He said, you will eat. You will eat. The man rose up again. The power of the communion. Bishop David already posted it. He doesn't remember the last time he ever got sick. He doesn't remember the last time he ever got sick. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, there is strength in my body. There is strength in my body. There is strength in my body. And these are true and real things, so I'm telling you. If you believe what we are doing, in less than few days, the testimonies we'll hear in the ministry will be too much. They'll be too much. Lift your hands. Bogara basofa tede badua bashaka. Tekanda basualava dege dege jenge. Balabadunde ke basike talak. Barwabateka tetanina madula. Rebadia madula vasakatande baduala. Evalakasto batiga talanda. Lebrabrabede gezuka tige de gedua. Lebrombo do socondo tina. Meshakadele baduala pendikita. Lebrapatokate ketina matatula. Lebrabadula babrabadala basenkete kadua. Lebandolo boko shapatiketea. Erabatanto tuapakena. Malabatula tatia patuna. Macombra bataya. In the name of Jesus. Listen. Don't believe that menstrual cramps are normal. Somebody's watching me. You see, that's what you have believed. Do you know there was a curse that said that the woman will go through pain before giving birth? Yet in the book of Exodus, the Bible says the Hebrew women, before you get there, they have already given birth. Before the, the nursing sisters get there, they have already given birth. No pain. It is what you believe. And we have a testimony in the house. Miss V, Pastor Moses' wife, when she was pregnant with Anelka, she said, Father, as I bless this communion, I declare I will not go through pain and labor. She's here. When she got to the hospital, she delivered in less than one minute. Miss V, come and testify. Let's clap for her as she comes. Amen. Well, I, I used to take communion every day. When, when I got pregnant, I used to take it every day. And I had a paper and a diary. I kept writing on it. I still have them. And I always used to say that when I get to the hospital, in less than five minutes, I will deliver. Because I don't want any cesarean session. And to the glory of God, when I got to the hospital, I delivered in less than one minute. You are jealous, right? He didn't clap. 
She said, I delivered in less than one minute. Hey! After taking communion, and she wrote down what she wants to see on a paper. And she still had the paper there. Listen, today what you are holding is not bread, though. It is body. It is the body of God. What you are holding is not cap. It is not plastic cap. It is the cap of the New Testament in the blood. It is the cap of the New Testament in the blood. See, there are some of you, after taking it, you are going to fall under the power of God because new revelation has come. There are some of you, some monthly diseases, every evening, 8 o'clock, you have headache. Every evening, you have pain in your, in your abdomen. Every evening, you have pain in your right knee. How? Why is it supposed to be so? Today, because it is now happening every day, you have accepted it as a normal life. It is not normal. The communion can end it. It can end it. It can end it. Just speak in the spirit as the others are being served with the, with the blood. Kruba teka mula bateka. Moshanta kaleka propo tokanina. Le baba dede gadudu sasatwa kamene. Hey, thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. This is my thanksgiving. Oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Come on, give thanks. This is not a prayer request. It's a thanksgiving. It's a thanksgiving. It is not a request. It is a thanksgiving. Beraba tula bataka. Le bashanto nebe le maduga badea. This bread is not bread. It is body. It is the body of Jesus. Remember what happened to the body. His body sweat. You cannot struggle. His body was made naked. You cannot be put to shame. His body was whipped. By his tribe you are healed. You are holding your healing. You are holding your healing. Hey! His body was afflicted with the crown of tongues. You are curing every head-related disease. Cancer of the brain, brain tumor, that stubborn headache that has been there for 20 years. That stubborn headache that you have accepted to be normal. That stubborn cold and kata that has come all these years which you have now agreed with tonight, this morning begin to disagree as you get ready. His hand was pierced so that the work of your hands will be blessed. His hand was pierced. His hand was pierced. His hand was pierced. His feet was pierced so that you will possess. So that you will possess. The work of your hands. Your business cannot remain the same after this morning. Your education. There are some of you when you study, you don't remember. 
you easily forget whatever you study tonight is your night of deliverance you are being set free give me luke chapter 24 good come to 30 thank you this is powerful look he said and it came to pass as he sat at meat with them he took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to them look what look at what happened at the next verse he says and their eyes were open and they knew him and he vanished out of their sight 